said no one has taken Psalm 23 yet. So I don't know why I'm doing this, because it is the most familiar passage, perhaps in all of the Bible, and very precious, I'm sure, to you and is to me. And I don't know what I can say about it that is remarkable or profound. It is simple. The psalm is simple. It is concise. It is clear. It is compassionate. And it is compelling. And when you think about the theme of this year here in Seminary Chapel, the heart of a shepherd, uh, what, what better passage is there to simply describe what a shepherd's heart is to be like? I'd like to just, uh, I'm, I'm going to approach this time like this. I'm going to preach a little, I'm going to teach a little, and I'm going to talk a little. Is that okay? My predecessor, Dr. Richard Rupp, uh, was really a, 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 pre, a prince of preachers, really. Uh, he was director of ministerial training. I was his assistant for 14 years. His wife was Betty. They lived back campus, and uh, I love them dearly. He was my primary mentor in life and ministry. And he told a story one time how he was a, he had, you know, as many of our faculty, he would, he would go down in the country and he pastored a little church. And his wife told him one time, he said, now, Dick, um, um, you know, you're a preacher and you, and, and you preach. And, you know, she must have elaborated a little bit. And she said, but now, sometimes you just need to talk to us, okay? Meaning the folks in the church. And so uh, that has stuck with me, that there's certainly the bulk of what we do in a pulpit is, is actually unfolding the Word of God, preaching and teaching it, applying it. But there's, there's a place for, can I just say it like this, kind of down-home conversation where we live that certainly hopefully is Bible-based and uh, from the heart of one shepherd to the heart of those who are shepherds or who are aspiring to be shepherds, shepherds or shepherdesses? Is that, is that okay to say? Um, because in one way or another, all of us are going to spend our lives shepherding others, uh, shepherding our own children, and now for us, our, our grandchildren to some extent. Um, I would have to say occasionally my wife shepherds me a little bit. Uh, we've been married 45 years. She's earned that right, and uh, I need that input. So, so really, the application of this, though, in some ways into the sermon will be uh, primarily for men who are actually going to be official pastors of churches, but uh, I know, and every pastor knows full well, the, the great value of a godly wife and her role in ministry and, and uh, other uh, women that serve together in local church ministry just kind of goes without saying, but I would not want to be misunderstood this morning. Um, this is Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It is very worthwhile getting a hold of and spending some time with. It's, it's a scientist who is also a shepherd who explains Psalm 23 in light of the everyday life of keeping sheep. It's really outstanding. I, I may read from it a little bit. 
And then I want to tell you about the, uh, before I read the passage, I want to just, uh, so I don't overlook this. Uh, this is the Bible, the large print Bible, one of his Bibles, I assume, of the man who was our family's first real pastor, Dr. Jack Spratt, William Henry Lee Spratt, Faith Baptist Church, Decatur, Alabama. He also pastored Grace Baptist Church there. Uh, Dr. Spratt, here's a photo of him. This is kind of brittle, so I I'm afraid to preach from it, really. But here's a photo of Dr. and Mrs. Spratt. Her name was Edna. And um, he led me to Christ on January 12th, 1960. He died a few years later. I'm going to be looking for Dr. Spratt real quickly when I get in the doors of heaven. And he and his wife and their daughter, Doris, who had worked here at BJU when she was young, uh, they poured their lives into my mom and dad, into my brother and me. And he actually called me his little preacher boy when I was still in elementary school. And I don't know what that was all about. I didn't know what it was. I wanted to play ball. I didn't know about anything about preaching. And then people that you know, saw me play ball said, so someone's just going into the ministry. And so, <laughs> so anyway, I'm here. And um, so I keep this in my office and I have great appreciation for uh, the first shepherd that I remember. I remember when he died. I remember his coffin coming, rolling out. Uh, of this of the funeral service. Dr. Bob III or his dad preached that funeral in a little church there in Alabama, and um, my heart was broken uh, to see my shepherd, uh, uh, you know, going to the grave. So I'll see him again one day, though, praise the Lord. And then a little bit unrelated, uh, I think unrelated, is a book that was given to me uh, for Christmas by my daughter and her son. They're, he's in the Air Force in Shreveport, Louisiana. And this book is, is beautiful. The, and I would highly recommend you get familiar with this book, Every Moment Holy by, I think it's Philip, pronounce it correctly here, McKelvey, D Douglas McKelvey. It's printed in Nashville. And it is a uh, it's a series of liturgies for uh, everything in life you can imagine. Anyone familiar with this book a little bit? Okay. So I want to read to you something just for you personally called A Liturgy for Students and Scholars. May I learn to love learning, O Lord, for the world is yours and all things in it speak each in their own way of you, your mind, your designs, your artistry, your power, your unfolding purpose. All knowledge is your knowledge, all wisdom, your wisdom. Therefore, as I apply myself to learning, may I be mindful that all creative things are your creative expression, that all stories are held within your greater story, and that all disciplines of order and design are chasing after your thoughts so that greater mastery of these subjects will yield even greater knowledge of the symmetry and wonder of your ways. Along this journey, O great architect of life and beauty, bless me with teachers who are passionate about the subjects they teach and with mentors who take joy 
and awakening in me a fierce love for those parts of your creation and your story that they have already learned to love well. As I apply myself to these subjects that I might first find that I might first find tedious, reward my efforts with new insights, fresh inspirations, small epiphanies, and with the firm conviction that you are at work in my heart in all circumstances, not only broadening my knowledge, but also shaping my heart by patience, endurance, and discipline, that I might mature to more fitly and humbly serve the purposes of your great kingdom. Give me a deepening knowledge of truth and a finer discernment of the ideas that I encounter in my studies. Guard my heart always against error. Guard also my heart against the temptation to compare my own performance to the work of my peers and so fall into either the twin traps of shame or pride. Grant that I might happily steward what scholarly gifts you have apportioned to me and that I might do, as a, might do so as a means of preparing myself for service to you and to others, my identity drawn from your love and forgiveness and not from my grades or accolades here. Isn't this rich? It's rich. Open, O Lord, as you will, the paths of my life in the days yet to come. Use my studies to further shape my vision of what my place and call in this world might be. Begin to show me where my own deep gladness and the world's deep need might meet. And in that light, let me be mindful not only of my studies, but also mindful of the needs, needs of my peers and even of my teachers. Let me respond with mercy to the failings of others. Let me be in this school, even in small ways, a bearer of love and light and reconciliation, which is to say, let me in humility be your child. God grant this child discernment and wisdom. Guard me from error. God grant this child knowledge and understanding. Lead me to truth. God bless the labors of this new season. Shake me for your service. Amen. A little phrase in the university hymn says, all learning will then be used in service for the Lord. So believe me, I've been through seminary, 125 credit hours worth of seminary when I was a younger man and as I was a maturing man. And uh, I know the stress and strain of some of that, the late hours, the early mornings, the, you know, what's involved in it. Very enjoyable in very many ways. It will, it will enhance your ability to serve the Lord fruitfully really all the days of your life. It's well worth the investment, both the investment of those that are teaching you and your investment of time, energy, and money in receiving it well. So, so let us be teachable, okay? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The sweet psalmist of Israel, David, grew up as a keeper of sheep. The youngest son of Jesse was still with the sheep when his brothers were being considered as the new king of Israel in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. Jesse said to Samuel upon Samuel's question, he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. In Psalm 72, we read this in verse 70 through 72. He, God, chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, great with young. He brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So this was not mere poetic imagery to David. What he says here under inspiration represents a very large investment of his life in doing the very thing that he is talking about. The MacArthur Study Bible outlines Psalm 23 simply in this way. I think it's worth noting. I'm not using this outline to speak from, but I like this. David's exclamation, verses 21, uh, verse 1 of 1a actually, the Lord is my shepherd, David's exclamation. Secondly, David's expectations in verses 1 through 5 really, I shall not want, I shall not fear his expectations. And finally, David's exaltation. My cup runs over, verses 5 and 6. Isn't that beautiful? Exclamation, expectations, exaltation. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. This is Jehovah God. This is the self-existent one. This word, if I understand it, Yahweh is used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. This is the covenant-keeping God. This is Jehovah who is king over all the universe. This is the God who creates. And yet David says he's my personal shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
The New Testament expands upon this idea. In John 10, Jesus refers to himself as the, the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, the one who corrals the sheep into the sheepfold and protects them and who, in essence, is also the door of the sheepfold, saying that if anyone comes in any other way than by the door, Jesus Christ, that the same as a thief and a robber. Other, other so-called shepherds are mere hirelings because they'll flee when danger comes, but he said, I give my life for the sheep, and that's exactly what he did. He was the good shepherd, is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd and bishop of our souls. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 25 refers to that. In the verses leading up, it says of Christ, who did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth, <clears throat> who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously. <clears throat> and it's speaking of the shepherd, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray. Sounds like an echo of Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He is a saving shepherd. If you're in this room this morning and you have not yet submitted your heart to the Lord and received Him as your own personal Savior, I would most earnestly beg of you to turn to the Savior and be saved. If you're listening to a recording of this message, I would say the same to you. He is a wonderful, saving shepherd. He saves. He's our sin substitute. He's the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Last night, I was in the Greenville Detention Center, where I love to be on Tuesday night. I think it's my very favorite time of the week. It was in the same pod that I minister in, and my colleague David Roth ministers in. He is really good at prison ministry. He's a full-time, 22-year veteran of Rock of Ages prison ministry, the North American representative or director. And we just happened to partner together. Both of us traveled a fair amount, so we kind of shared. We were both there last night. He preached the gospel. He actually preached on anger, but got the gospel involved in it. We had about 15 men there, all Clemson fans, if you know what I mean, all dressed in orange. And I, I, I love these men. I, we had some newcomers last night. And, you know, I thought about staying home last night because he was going to preach and I had a message coming up this morning, and I said, no, I need to go down, and I need to be with the sheep that God has given me the privilege to minister to. And uh, at the end of that message last night, I got to lead a man to Christ. It was so precious. Sweet black man. He was new to our setting, and uh, I think God was convicting him. So I had another man come and sit down next to me, and he was like, I do not know what's going on. He said, but I, I have come to the Lord, and he, he didn't know what to do with it. If I've ever seen somebody who just experienced regeneration in recent days, it, it was that guy. I think his name was Sean. He was so beautiful. 
And so uh, these are people who are returning to the one that made them, the shepherd and bishop of their souls. Can I just say this by, by way of kind of on the side, but as a seminary student, you most definitely need to be involved in evangelistic ministry to others while you're going through your training, in some mentoring or discipleship ministry to others, both men and women, to be training for the ministry and then serving in, it'll be limited probably how you do that, but, but be on the outlook for people and get involved in organized, scheduled, structured ministries where you can rub shoulders with people desperately in need. The needs are so incredibly great. There is so much heartache in just right here in this community. The opportunities are really endless. Ask God to help you find the opportunities that you can, through which you can point people to the shepherd and help them grow. So David said, the Lord is my shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 4, he speaks of the chief shepherd. When he shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This is the crown particularly focused upon faithful pastors and elders who fulfill the thing that God has called them and gifted them to do. And then I've the other New Testament reference uh, is, is in, the, in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 13 and verse 20 that says, it's a doxology, now the God of grace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, it goes on, make you perfect in every good will, every good, um, every good work to do his will. And so he's the good shepherd. He's, he's the shepherd and bishop of our souls. He's the, he's the great shepherd. And David would explain, exclaim, the Lord, this God, this God, the Lord, is my shepherd. So if I can just talk to young adults here for a minute who are aspiring to ministry, and that time is getting away from me, obviously, here. You need to have a very close and personal relationship with, with the shepherd, with the great shepherd. Part of that is so that you're squared away with the Lord. This will be a perpetual ongoing matter to pursue so that you have a certain calmness and clarity in your own heart and soul so that you may have the power of God upon your life to help other people and serve as their shepherd. This, this passage describes how effective the shepherd's ministry was. Just quickly, he, with his sheep, he... he makes them lie down in green pastures. He's providing for their every need. He's leading them by the still waters. He's restoring their soul, leading them in the paths of righteousness for His namesake, taking them through dangers of the valley of the shadow of death. If that shepherd were frazzled and nervous and unsettled like a like a frenzied sheep, there's no way he's going to have an effective ministry. Sheep are easily harried. They are easily spooked. They are easily led astray. They are easy picking for, 
for animals of prey. They, they have problems with parasites and insects and infestation. Sometimes a, 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 a sheep will get on her back and uh, be a cast sheep and not be able to get up uh, on her own. And actually, the health of such one would rapidly deteriorate. Sheep face all types of challenges, but the good shepherd takes care of these all. He provides he says, I shall not want. That is, I shall not be lacking. When I was a, when I was a child, I took that to mean I, I should not want. In other words, it's not right for me to want something. That's the way I, I took that. As I moved along in life, I, I realized, well, that's because the Lord has already provided what I need. If I don't have it, I must not need it if the Lord's not provided it, right? And there are some really wonderfully reassuring verses in the New Testament. And I know when you're in, you know, in Philippians 4, it talks about abounding and being abased. That's a financial setting there, I think. And seminary is being abased for most people, okay? That's about as lean as it gets. It's, it's lean. But Paul said, I can do all things. I can, I can endure Financial leanness, I can endure financial abundance. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He would say, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can stand here, I'm sure your faculty could do the same, and tell you very many stories about the early days of leanness and how over time and throughout that time, God meets every need. He'll do that. You seek his kingdom first, and he'll... He'll add all the necessary things to your life. He's a God who, who provides. He's a God who protects. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This is speaking of a shepherd's crook that maybe touches the lamb and just directs his or her path or pulls that, takes the crook end and pulls the, the lamb away, from, the sheep away from danger. Or a club, the rod that would that would strike uh, an animal that would attack. I'm going to tell you a little story in closing. Um, we didn't have any lambs or sheep, but, but we had a little dog named Muffy. And uh, Muffy was like almost human. <clears throat> I would consider her uh, uh, just a little subpar, but a toddler in our house for about 11 years. She was really sweet. She'd bark at her leash when she needed to go out. She could play tag. She loved to sit with my wife in her chair when my wife would have her ice cream and afghan and book at 9 o'clock in the evening. Muffy would sit there just like a human being. And she was really cute. Well, <clears throat> you know, you have to take your dog out in the backyard sometimes. And back in those days, we didn't have a, a fence. And um, I had noticed our neighbor's German shepherd was getting out of their yard, and that really bothered me. One time I couldn't even get to my car because I had a German shepherd out there sniffing around my car. I'm like, I don't like this. So I took Muffy out back of the house, kind of down toward our creek in the back, and, and so I, it's going to sound a little rough, okay, but I took a pitchfork with me as well. So she was on my leash, but I also had something to protect her just in case, and sure enough, the little, uh, her little collar made enough noise that the German shepherd was out. And I turned around, and here was this German shepherd, full bore, bearing down, running toward Muffy in the backyard. Muffy had already done this 
to her head. She was ready to be attacked by the German shepherd. I dropped the leash. I took the small pitchfork that I had. You're going to think I'm a really mean guy now, okay? I took both hands, and I took the broad side of that pitchfork, and I whacked that German shepherd right across the nose as he was coming down on the dog. The German shepherd yelled, Woo! You know, <laughs> and took off running. I had dropped the leash, and Muffy started chasing the German shepherd out of the backyard. Okay. So I don't have a rod and a staff, but I had a leash and a pitchfork. And the neighbor and I had a little discussion about this matter, and he fixed his fence, and we didn't have any more problems but I'm going to shepherd my little dog. Would you do something like that if you had to? And aren't you glad God does that for us when predators come around? And don't you know that in life and ministry, spiritually speaking, you're going to have to do that type of thing to protect the people, not with a real pitchfork, but you're going to have to protect your flock. He says that he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This is a little hard. It's a little bit of an interpretation matter, whether the shepherd imagery is continuing or the, the motif has changed here. But whatever the case, you've got a situation where God has so protected and given victory over enemies that now we are enjoying a meal in the presence even of our captive, defeated enemies. What a picture of victory that is. And David exclaims, and he was very familiar with conflict, of course, and then at the end he exclaims, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe every phrase in that psalm. I've seen this work out in my personal life, little by little, walking by faith. It's very, very real. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In closing, let me encourage several things. I, I, let me encourage you to be very close to the Lord. Let me encourage you to be very teachable and very appreciative of older people who have been down the path in ministry and always show them very high esteem. I wanted to tell you about many people like that in my life today. I've just mistimed some of this. I would like to also say, within your own peer group and as you move through life, be sure that you have some really good shepherd friends that you can fellowship with, and that you can sharpen one another with. I have a number of fine people like that in my life that I highly regard that are just slightly older than myself. And then you yourself shepherd others, lead people to Christ, mentor them, disciple them, start in your home, move, move into other spheres of ministry. And you keep doing that over a period of time. And the joy and blessing that you will come to you is, is really unimaginable. It's just incredible. But it all begins with the Lord being our shepherd, doesn't it?
God help us. Lord, thank you for the privilege to stand here and just reflect, really, upon who you are and what you've done and how you've fulfilled all of these precious phrases in our lives. We pray for these students, Lord. We pray that you would not let them stray from the paths of service that you very well have intended for most of them to take. Lord, help these men and women to be all that you should have them, you'd have them to be. Fill them with love. Help them, Lord. Protect them. Provide for them. Bless their teachers. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.